0: Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll be uh, taking the last part of chapter 3 this morning. Um, The the title to my message this morning is The Victorious Gospel. And uh, for those of you who know the gospel is the message of Jesus, but that word gospel means good news. Um, And... I use the word victorious because I believe that this is what this passage is talking about, the victorious gospel, and really our connection to it as people, as individuals, uh, to be reminded that we uh, are part of the victory as we have the gospel, as we are connected to Jesus. Uh, Some of you, how many of you have ever watched baseball? Watch baseball. Baseball watchers here. So uh, uh, I know some of you, there's some coaches here today, some coaches of baseball. Gary, good to see you here today. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's parts of a baseball game that aren't very... Uh, um, uh, as as you're your your being a player or being a, a manager or coach is a bad part of the game. So your team is on the field and uh, the pitcher's struggling. You know, he's giving up a home run and then uh, he's about to walk the next batter. And uh, the, the coach or manager calls time and he, he goes out to talk to the pitcher. And for those of you who have never been out there, Uh, Talking or getting talked to by the manager, you probably wonder what they're saying. Um, And uh, they're saying whatever they think will work, to be honest with you. They're not, uh, uh, it's not some script or something. Uh, But what they're trying to do is to stop the momentum of discouragement. Uh, when they see the game falling apart, whether uh, they see the pitcher or the fielders or uh, the, the, um, they're load, loaded the bases, they're trying to stop what's happening. And really it happens in every sport. I think a basketball too, uh, after the other team has scored six, eight, ten points without an answer, what do they do? Timeout, timeout. Come on in, let's regroup, let's remember uh, what we're trying to do out there. Uh, this morning, as we look at this passage, I want to just give to you this. It's super important to remember who the winner is. Um, we're in the midst of a game right now, and it's not a game, right? It's, we're playing for keeps. And, and sometimes it's hard to remember Uh, what's going on. It's hard to remember what has gone on in in the sense of history and as Jesus has come and and as he lived that sinless life and then he went to the cross, he rose again victorious. And it's hard to remember sometimes in the midst of difficult times uh, that there is a winner in all this. His name is Jesus. And as we are connected with him, we too will be dis- victorious and so this morning as we look at this passage this really difficult passage to be honest with you uh, we will remember uh, who the winner is and we'll remember our connection to the winner and so that we would be victorious as well so if you'd stand in honor of God's word i'd like to read to you <coughs> from first peter chapter 3 and i'll start reading at verse 18 God's word says this for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. I'm sorry. Let me start over. I think I skipped some in there and I don't want to. Uh, Verse 18 for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but being made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when god's patience waited in the days of noah while the ark was being prepared in which a, a few that is eight persons were brought safely through the water baptism which now which corresponds to this now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. God, we ask your blessing on your word this morning. We realize that we are lost without it. Uh, We need this message um, both the message in First Peter chapter three and all of Scripture, and really the um, the main theme of your Son Jesus uh, dying and uh, rising from the dead, that we might have life, and that you might be glorified in us, your redeemed people. God help us this morning to understand. Help us to um, be encouraged uh, about the victory that has been won. We thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated so last week uh, we looked really at the the gospel and in verse 18 it talks about the righteous, meaning Jesus, for the unrighteous, right? That's you and me. The unrighteous get what the righteous gives us and does for us in Jesus. And what a thrill that is, uh, that Christ suffered, uh, that he suffered once for our sins. He, He took care of that. Um, and now we go on to really a very difficult passage um, that speaks of the victory that Jesus won. In verse 19, look down at it. It says, uh, one commentator said there's like 13 words that are all confusing uh, in this passage. And so uh, good luck to us all this morning, right? Um, verse 19, it, it says this, uh, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Uh, Banking on what he had just said, he said he suffered and died. He suffered and died. And then it says he he went and he preached to the spirits in prison. Um, The the idea of preaching, there's a couple of different words. There's a gospel word, and then there's a a word of proclamation. The word of proclamation is the one that's used here. Uh, It's not uh, specifically proclamation preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's a word of a herald that would come to say a message, uh, whether accepted or not. Uh, I would just say that verse 19 and part of verse 20 is talking about the victory over permanent rebellion. The victory over permanent rebellion. Um, It says that he went and proclaimed or preached, in some translations... To the spirits in prison, um, he doesn't define what those spirits in prison are, uh, and in this passage, it doesn't say anything about them receiving a message of hope in the gospel and repenting. In fact, uh, it really highlights that these spirits in prison were disobedient; they were rebellious. They were not ones that had turned and repented from their sins. Um. There's many different ideas on who these spirits in prison are. This morning, I'll just give you my conclusion. And if you really want to chase it down uh, this week, we can talk about it. Uh, you can give me a call this week and disagree with me. But uh, I believe these spirits that, it's, that are talked about right here are angelic beings. Uh, I want to talk to you just briefly about angelic beings, angels, if you will, okay? Okay that there are good angels and bad angels. Uh, even as uh, one um, theologian has said, there's elect angels and rejecting angels, angels that are, are not. And, and a- as you look at this, these uh, rejecting angels or these rebellious angels are demons, Okay. As you think about this, there are two groups of angels we We have a tough time we don 't have a whole lot of information about these rejecting or these demonic angels. We just know they 're there, uh, and from time to time, we see the uh, destruction or deception that they would uh, try to carry uh, carry about. So what we picture here and, and i 'll I'll show you how um, I, I see this being angelic beings. If you look at the end of our passage, actually the end of the chapter. It says, uh, "Who has gone into heaven, speaking of Jesus, and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to Him." Okay, and so this idea that uh, in this passage we do have angelic uh, beings, uh, and the highlight of them is that Jesus is over them, all of them, whether they be evil or elect. Um, as you as you look at this, you realize that. Um, there's a lot more going on in this world uh, that we can see. We don't have all the details. We, uh, most of us like the details. We love it when we know everything. And we're confident that we um, understand everything properly. And as we look at this passage, we have some struggles. Um, it, it says that these spirits were imprisoned. And the picture here being um, probably imprisoned waiting for the final judgment. Uh, And that's really when you think of all those who are in rebellion to God, all those who don't follow after Jesus, that's where they stand. You know, there's a final judgment that will come and these angels are awaiting that. And so as you see Jesus going and proclaiming, he is proclaiming himself as the victor. Think about this, that when Jesus... Uh, proclaims himself to to those who are acceptors. There's this idea of him being the king, and we willingly submit to him. But for those who are rejectors, uh, they reject him as king. It's not that he doesn't go and proclaim himself as the victor, anyways. Uh, and know this that the the enemy knows that he is the victor, and it, it grinds in his heart. And as uh, we have the enemy and the demons that they know that they are defeated and losers. Um, and this is just a passage that highlights that, that he proclaims this victory. The spirits in prison and, and highlight this in your own mind. Verse 20, because they formerly did not obey. There, There's an important piece of the gospel uh, and your relationship to Jesus to know this. That it is not just simply understanding a message, understanding of who he is, but in understanding who he is, he is the king, we obey, we obey, and anything less than that is rebellion to our Savior, the only Savior. And so this highlights, in an angelic sort of sense, the victory over permanent rebellion, um, as you think about what may scare you in days like today, um, it, it's sometimes it's things down here that scare us, like things down here. I don't know if you've seen the pictures, uh, and it happens every fire, right? But there's just amazing pictures and videos shown of the power of fire. How many of you are fearful of fire? <laughs> yes. And if you haven't, you're just confused. You, if you're not, you're just confused you know, living in reality. Yeah, there's the, the fire's powerful, right? Uh, it's amazing. And so as we uh, consider that, we're fearful of stuff down here. But uh, there's also things going on in our, uh, outside of our world that we can't see. Uh, when, even as I said the word demons, most of us kind of went, oh, I don't really want to talk about that. Why? Because it's something we can't see, and it's something that we can't control. But I want to tell you that Jesus, this is so important for us to get right now. Uh, When you wonder if there's forces going on that are uh, going to ruin uh, your life and what's going on, what does Jesus do? He goes and preaches to those in prison. What is he? He is the victor. And I I want you to know that there is no power. There is no force. There's nothing you can see or nothing you can't see that Jesus is not the victor over. And so uh, it's of great comfort, hopefully to those who are suffering and those who are fearful to know this, that your savior, Jesus, is the victor over all. He's the victor over all. And so you can rest confident here today. Not because you understand everything, not because you have everything under control, but because Jesus is the, has won the victory even over permanent rebellion of demons. The second point in middle of verse 20, I would say this, it's the victory for those who respond to the gospel. And I would even, if you want to see it in a negative sense, I wanted to take it in a positive, but uh, the victory over people who reject as well. Uh, This passage, um, he says, because they they formerly did not obey, verse 20, and then it highlights a time, a specific time, uh, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. Uh, Noah is in the Old Testament. What's he famous for? The famous builder, right? For years and years and years, he was building an ark, uh, in a place that had never seen rain, right? And when he explained why, he was saying, you know, we got this rain coming or what, your water's coming, and and, and we're going to have a flood. And uh, they laughed and they mocked, and uh, he just continued to build. And why did it take so long? And some of you builders are thinking, because it took long, right? The supply chain problems, right? They called the lumber yard, and they didn't have the order ready. Um, but there were, there were the idea that it took long because it was a massive project. But in that time, it, it, I always think it's important for you to remember when things take a long time, that God doesn't need them to take a long time. Uh, he could have just went whammo and there would have been the ark. But part of it was a visual and a, a picture of God's patience with rebellious people. Uh, is that they could uh, there, there was wickedness and that was part of the flood uh, promise that that because of the wickedness the the flood was going to come but also the ark was the method or the time or or the way if you will of salvation for those who uh, would want to be saved and obviously in a physical way but it's a picture um, you, you look at this and you see the days of Noah are marked by the ark and Noah's faith for building it. How did people, uh, so it says that there were eight that were saved. Uh, if you look down at verse 20 again, it just says that there were these, these few, um, it, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. As you look at this, you, you realize, if you think of all the people who didn't get saved, what happened to them? They drowned, okay? I'll say this once. Uh, you can argue with me later. Um, this is a passage on baptism, okay? Uh, some of you have thought about the idea of sprinkling for baptism. Is that the picture of the Bible? Don't, don't, don't answer. Uh, sprinkling uh, or infant baptism or, or whatever. I, I want to tell you that if you look at this passage, it's connected to baptism and I would just say it this way. If you can't drown, if you can't drown, it's not the same picture of baptism in the scriptures. Because he looks here and he says this. He says this. In the days of Noah, in the ark, uh, they were uh, brought through safely through the water, these eight persons. Why? Because these eight persons were inside the ark. God's Uh, method for saving them They were inside the ark they had followed the right message they had agreed that they needed to be saving saved and so they got on the ark and what happened they did not drown Uh, others who rejected they did drown they were brought safely through the water safely um, I, I want to be careful here that that really um, there 's a lot of connection between the New Testament and the Old Testament. Uh, some theologians call this types okay types there's a there 's a type of this in the Old Testament that brings us into the New Testament and points us to the Gospel or to Jesus, really the same message okay and this is one of those I believe right so so when you look at, at this passage, you realize uh, he's pointing back, in the New Testament, he's pointing back to the time of Noah. Well, what happened in the time of Noah? They built this ark. Uh, it was meant for saving these people and the animals. And so these people got on there, and they were saved. They did not die. And now he's connecting that, connecting that to the picture of baptism. The picture of baptism. And as you think through what baptism is, It's immersing someone in water and the picture of them identifying with Christ his death, burial, and resurrection and then coming up again. Uh, We see this this passage pointing back to Noah as a type of this salvation that we have in Jesus. Uh, Different uh, other Old Testament passages that you can think of, the types of salvation and examples uh, Moses and the serpent, there was a time where serpents were around and Moses made one that was to be the one that would save them from the serpent. Also, uh, you think of the fiery furnace where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you know, we see the pre-incarnate Christ most likely in there with him, and they were saved from the fire. Um, you see in Romans, it talks about Adam and Christ. Adam being similar to Christ in that he was the one uh, who brought sin in and Jesus being the one who brought salvation in. And now we see Noah and the ark and this sweet salvation. I want to warn you as you study the Bible is to not uh, try to find types everywhere. Um, some of that, uh, gets into fanciful ideas and stuff like that. But when they're obviously clear right here where he connects us to a specific, uh, passage in the old Testament, a specific story, uh, uh, history, um, I think that we can't deny that. And that's important for us to see. So you see, uh, victory over permanent rebellion. And then we say victory for the responders to God's word. Um, I would even say victory over those who reject. Uh, you, you think about um, the, the picture of once they had sealed up the, uh, the entryway to the ark, the, their desire of those who had rejected to want to get in, and yet they had already rejected the message that God had given them. I want to encourage you. Uh, you want to, um, in the, the book of 2 Peter, It talks about the patience of the Lord and just that he's not wishing for any to perish. And the reason he hasn't returned yet is that he's patient. He's patient. And uh, as you think of uh, people that um, aren't walking with the Lord right now, uh, um, maybe those who have walked away, uh, I want to tell you what is this time for? What is this time for? I want to tell you it's for them. Uh, it's the patience of the Lord drawing people to himself, drawing to, to close fellowship, preparing them for the day of his return or the day of their death. Um, just know that that's what God is doing right now. He is preparing and he is being patient uh, with people, knowing that, that his desire for them is to be with him. Which brings me to my third point this morning, God's victorious saving through his son, Jesus Christ. In verse 21, it says baptism, baptism. Um, He's connecting baptism with uh, the picture, the picture of baptism with the picture of Noah in the ark. And he says, which corresponds to this now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Let's try to unpack that there. There's a lot there, but uh, know this, that those who were saved uh, in the ark, what were they saved from? They were saved from drowning, right? Uh, Left to themselves, they would have drowned. And I, I I want you to know this, that the picture of baptism, the picture of baptism is that without Jesus, you would have perished. You got that? Without Jesus, you would have perished. Um, when, when we get baptized, when there's a picture of baptism, we should never walk away and say, oh, what a good person. Oh, it wasn't it good? Yeah, I'm a good person because I got baptized. No, the, the picture here, the, the showcase, if you will, is Jesus. That he is the one that without him, we would have perished. Those who were saved in the flood were saved by the ark, which was God's provision. Now baptism pictures that same thing. It's corresponding to Noah, the the, the idea that that's that same picture as it points back. And he he makes a, uh, he kind of circles something and he says, I want you to get it clearly. It's not the removal of dirt. Uh, That's a danger of the, the picture of baptism, because it looks like, what, it, what else does it look like? What does the baptism, especially our baptismal, what does it look like? A bathtub, right? And so it's easy in our minds to say, oh, I know what it was. It's like, I, I'm, I'm getting cleansed for all my sins. If that were the case, if that were the case, we would have to um, drain the baptismal after every, uh, after every, a baptism because it was so filthy for all your sins, right? That, that we, it wouldn't work, right? It wouldn't be a, a accurate picture. And it really would probably have to be a lot like, uh, the picture of the old Testament sacrificial system we talked about in the last weeks that had to be done over and over again, right? Uh, it's not an outward thing. And I think that that's important for us to remember. It's not the outward dirt, um, that is the problem for us. What is it? It's the the inward guilt that we have. The problem is on the inside. The outside is just representing what's already gone on in the inside, right? The filth represents what is already coming out of our heart. And so he highlights and he says, it's not the dirt removal on the outside that is the problem, but what baptism... Uh, is marking and showing in a picture of, it's what God has done on the inside. Um, But he says, but but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Um, I want to tell you the answer to your conscience and the guilt that you hold is not doing good things to offset them. It's not even explaining the way that the circumstances that, that happened that, uh, you, you know, you really wasn't as bad as I thought and everyone else does it too, so it's really not that. The way to handle the guilt and the, the shame of your own conscience is to claim Jesus Christ, the one who has taken care of our sins, the one who has made us clean, not on the outside but on the inside. In verse 21, uh, it says this, uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's very difficult to translate this, and as some have translated it, it might give you the impression that baptism saves you and baptism does not save you. As you look at this uh, passage in verse 21, it says, baptism, which corresponds, now saves you. Some have connected, baptism now saves you, but rather it should be the the now saves you, uh, if you go down to the end of verse 21, now saves you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what saves you. Your connection to his resurrection, his death and resurrection, that is your salvation. I think that um, even in the Old Testament as um, Noah and the Ark, some would have looked at the Ark and say, Well, how how did those people get saved? Well it was the Ark. The Ark I want to tell you it wasn't the Ark that saved them. You say, Well, yeah, it was Noah, the builder of the Ark, right? It wasn't Noah that saved them. It was the God whose plan and whose man Noah like like he he was the one who brought Noah and and caused him to build and he was the one who brought these Uh, boards together that they would be fitted to be, and held that thing together as uh, the waters rose. Know that it was the plan of God working out. And now as we look to the New Testament, how are you saved? It's not through baptism. It's not through baptism. Baptism is a picture of what your salvation is, how how you are brought safely, that he is your, as we have sung, the Lord is my salvation. He's the one. And so, Uh, It's through his death and his resurrection from the dead that we are saved. In verse 22, it it says this, and I I just want to say this is a great, uh, it's a little complicated, but this is a great Easter passage um, because it speaks of the resurrection. And in verse 22, it speaks of what happens now and what we have to look forward to and realizing that Jesus is victorious It says that he has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, powers having been subjected to him. I think often, um, even in these court battles with these local churches that we've been following, there's definitely a difference of worldview happening. There's a colliding of worldviews. Now, who's in charge? Who's the ultimate authority? <laughs> so, uh th- this has been the most complicated thing uh during this quarantine. Who's in charge? Uh, I, um, I I don't know if you uh, remember, but w- when, you know, uh and and I want I'll just tell you, I I want to apologize in some ways uh for this whole whole quarantine thing. Um I I didn't know what was going on. Uh, You you probably would agree with me that I didn't know what was going on, but I'd look at you and say, well, you didn't know what was going on either. We're all going to die. We're all going to die of the coronavirus. Uh, It's going to wipe, you know, hospitals are going to be filled. Everyone's going to be dying. Everyone's going to be getting the coronavirus. That's what it seemed like. Uh, we're going to do this thing to flatten the curve because it's coming so fast and furious, everyone needs to shut down. And so, we all go, oh, okay, sounds reasonable. They, you know, they said it on the news, right? There were a bunch of politicians, President Trump and others, everyone was greener with it, right? So it must have been okay, right? And it drug on, and we're like, well, okay, we're already closed, and we're doing this, we bought this nice camera during those first couple of weeks, and I guess we can use it now, and so we'll do online church. That'll be a great idea. <laughs> and so we did that, and 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 th- then we're you know looking around, and his staff and as the elders were going, I don't know how this is going to play out. What should we be doing? And then, and then President Trump said on a Thursday or a Friday in May, he said, uh, "Churches should open this weekend. Governors get it done." And so that was enough for me. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, and so we, we met that week. We met that week. I think we were out here, and uh, then the following week we were in there because the wind was here. But anyways, uh, we took that, and Governor Newsom, in classic fashion, said, I'll get to it on Monday, um, Uh, not for this weekend, but I'll get to it on Monday. And then I I just want to tell you that, uh, from me, for, for me as a person, I'm sorry that we kind of bought into some of this stuff that we're, we're not going to meet as the church. And as we think through the future, um, within reason, uh, we're going to meet all the time. We're going to meet all the time. It might be out in the parking lot. It might even be in the weeds. It might be at your house, uh, (laughs) But we're going to meet. We're going to meet because that's what God's church does. And uh, we're, we're sorry about that. Uh, well, that's nothing. I'm glad you're excited about that too. So uh, we're really thinking through the kids and how to make that happen too. Uh, that's the last piece for us to uh, really put together well. Um, anyways, I, I just want to say that... Um, so, sometimes we have struggled. It, who's in charge in our country? Is there a constitution? Is there our president? Is it our governor? Uh, county board of supervisors? Is it the courts? Is it the the sheriff? You know, that, that, that's one of the big ones too. Uh, you, there's a lot of different powers in our country. And I think it was set up on purpose like that. So uh, there's many checks and balances there. But anyways, I, I want to tell you that in the end, uh, we may get discouraged about what happens. Um, I think of this one pastor, uh, Jeff Johnson. He said that he's bringing his his meds to church today uh, because he's concerned that he's not going to make it through church. And uh, so he's going to go to jail. And what a scene would that be, right? Well, that's a great day at church, by the way. I know that some of you would say that's a terrible day. But as a pastor, you, you, know, you if you think that, that's a day you want to be in church, right? You know? So we're going, yeah, I'm going to the lake this weekend. You missed it. The pastor got arrested. Uh, that'd be a great day. But um, to know this, to know this, that uh, we serve the victorious king, that uh, he doesn't stand uh, down. He is not one that will be trampled over in the end. He is the victorious winner over all, over that there's no demons and powers that we can or can't see that all are subject subjected to him, and so we know that that that's our confidence, and really as uh, that's meant to be our hope as we think about uh, it may be a rough day for us today where we're suffering and we're discouraged, and I just want to tell you, uh, if you follow after Jesus Christ, you're on the winning team because he's the winner. And as we're connected with him, we too will win. I just want to give you three things as we close this morning. Um, three things that maybe help you uh, really cling to some things as we've gone through this difficult passage. First thing is this, is a question. Have you ever been baptized as a believer? Uh, just remember, it's the picture of your salvation, uh, both to you and an onlooking world. Um, and just to say again, if you can't drown Uh, during your baptism. It's not the picture in the Bible. Second thing is this, um, to remember this, that the gospel message is victorious for Jesus and his followers. Uh, It is not just a, a message of some simple thing of your own salvation, but it is that we are victorious. We are victorious. And it's not that we are victorious, it's that Jesus is victorious. And in our identification and our connection, our permanent part of his family, we too are victorious. Uh, I think it's many days we we hang our heads because we don't like what's happening. We don't like uh, the failure of our own hearts and what's going on, or maybe what's going on in our world. But to remind ourselves that we are victorious because of Jesus. And to cling to him, our victor. And then lastly, to, to, to know this, that we are to believe and respond for salvation. It's, it's only in the work of God and in his son, Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Uh, I think that often we look for temporary victories to hold our hope. That we're looking for good court cases and the schools to reopen or Um, you know, the the economy to boom again. And we, we look at elections and we look at all kinds of different things that we would put our hope in. And I just want to remind you that our only hope and our only salvation is in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. I think uh, many people stop short of his death and resurrection and say the teachings of Jesus, the good teachings of Jesus. I love the parables because they're all filled with social justice and this and that and blah, blah. That's not it. The message of Jesus was this, that he was to come as the sinless man, go to the cross, pay for sinners, and then rise from the dead. And I I just want to say that's our only salvation, our only salvation. I I think you should live the life to the fullest today as you can. But know this, that there will be many days of temporary losses, temporary suffering. But in the end, because of Jesus, we have salvation. Just as those were saved through the water in the time of Noah, We will be saved through whatever's going on down here, through fires and economies and elections. Save us from the election, please. Uh, uh, We will be saved as we cling to Jesus, as we cling to Jesus, our one and only hope. Uh, That's my encouragement to you today from God's word. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this difficult passage and what we've been able to glean from it this morning. God, I ask that you would cause your people to be people of faith, not faith in themselves, not faith in what they know, not faith in our country and faith in uh, hopes and things to come, but that they would be trusting in you this day. God, uh, teach us and grow us all in this way. I do continue to pray and and think of those churches that are meeting uh, that have been threatened. Uh, May they enjoy this day and trust in you more. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.